When I was 19, I worked as a mechanic apprenticeship. I was a mechanic apprentice in a company which repaired motorcycles, cars, trucks, semis, up to big army tank. So every morning at 7, there was an annoying buzzer. Sounded like this. Thank you very much. Every morning at 7, there's an annoying buzzer reminding us going to work. Monday morning, 5 to 7, I'm sitting on my workbench. 2 to 7, Jörg apathetically walks into the shop, carelessly throws his backpack on top of the workbench. He sits on the bench and grabs his bag and pulls out his giant two-liter Coke bottle. He opens it up and sprays all over him and all over the bench. He walks a few feet grabs a few uh, rags, comes back, cleans it up. And by the time he cleaned up, we go to work. Tuesday morning, 5 to 7, I'm sitting on my workbench. 2 to 7, York apathetically walks in the room, throws his backpack carelessly onto the desk, and sits on it, pulls this giant two-liter Coke bottle out of it, opens it up and sprays all over him and all over the bench. He walks a few feet, grabs a few racks, comes back, and by the time he is done, we go to work. Wednesday morning, 5 to 7, I'm sitting on the workbench. 2 to 7, Jurka pathetically walks into the room, carelessly throws his backpack on top of the bench, sits on the bench, grabs his bag, and pulls out this giant Coke bottle and opens it up and sprays all over him. He walks a few feet, grabs a few rags, comes back, and by the time he's done, okay, because it's not working anymore. Okay, so you get the point. The annoying buzzer goes and we go to work. Thursday morning, guess what happened? Same story over and over again. So you could predict what happens every morning. And by the way, this is a true story. It happened to me. So I could not understand why Jörg would do the same thing over and over again. I could not understand back then. But meanwhile, as I get older, I start to understand that myself, I have a few Coke bottles too. Let me explain. A few things I do which messes me up or messes all the people around. There's a few habits which I'm not able to conquer. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure all of us have something like that. It may could be a habit, you know, something we do over and over again without being victorious, without being able to overcome. It could be an interpersonal relationship. We always struggle with something. We don't get ahead. We, don't, we are not able to connect. Or it could be just something else, anger or something. We don't get over it. One of Albert Einstein's most famous quotes is, oh, here we go. Three X's, I'm out. Anyhow, oh. yeah, this one. 
One of his famous quotes is, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah, that's really insane if you think you can do the same thing over and over again and get a different result out of it. Let me say it again. One of the biggest geniuses in this universe said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So basically, for us, that means we do things over and over again, and we're not successful, we're not victorious. And if I have a problem myself, <laughs> which I sometimes have, um, no, if there's something in my life or see some, some people's life, which is I always go back to the Word of God. What does the word, word of God say about that? And there's so many things we can learn about it. So the passage assigned to me this morning is uh, Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 to 16. Meanwhile, you grab your phone or your Bible. I'll give you a little bit of background. So here it talks about the context is the Israelites were just 400 years in slavery. So 400 years, a long, long time. God calls Moses to free his people. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, uh, uh, can we go, please? And Pharaoh says, yes, oh, awesome. No, Pharaoh was not in favor of it because, you know why? <laughs> Pharaoh was not in favor because there was over a million slaves he had almost for free. He had a million slaves, and he would not let them go. So there were all those plagues, ten altogether. First plague, remember Moses took the staff and pointed to the Nile River, and the Nile River turned into blood. And later on, there's other plagues. He used the staff as a, a representing God's power. Finally, after ten plague, plague uh, when, when the firstborn were killed, Pharaoh had enough and sent them out. So Pharaoh sends them out, but soon he regrets it because he starts to understand there's lots of pe people are missing, lots of work does not get done. So he sends the army behind them, and here's Moses. They're not prepared for war or anything. They just left. And then another miracle happens. So Moses takes his staff, points to the Red Sea, and it parts, and they can walk through safely, and the army of the uh, Pharaoh's army get killed. So he just escaped the army of Egypt. And now we read in cha uh, chapter 17, verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Amalek, the Amalekites were distant relatives. Goes back to Jacob and Esau. So, remember Jacob, he was named by God Israel, and then Esau, well, part of them was Amalek. So, they attacked them without any reason. We believe that without any reason, those Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. So, most likely over a million people, they probably attacked them on the outside, maybe plundered a few things, uh, took a few woman captives, whatever. Something happened there. They just start to attack them without any reason. Then verse 9, we read, So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. With the staff. That's very important. Remember, the staff before him represented God's presence with all those miracles. 
So Moses says, well, let me take the staff with me to fight against them. Verse 10, Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hor went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. So Moses took the staff. And whenever he had, he had his staff up, God's presence up, you know, they would advance. If he got too tired, and let it down. So the Amalekites would take over. And so here's, here's the picture. You know, Moses on top of the hill overseeing the battle. It must have been funny to watch. I just sometimes imagine those things. It must have been funny to watch just looking down there. It's like, have it up. Oh, wow, we're raining down. Oh, up. Oh. So he started to see there's a certain pattern. <laughs> a good thing. He brought some friends with him. Aaron, his brother, and Hor, a good, trusted friend. So, but I'm going ahead of the story here. Let me read. So, um, verse 12. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and as he sat on it, and Aaron and Hor supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. His hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So here is a, here is a great you know, promise. He says, write it down so you don't forget it. And just as a side note, if you have experiences with God, write it down so if you have tough times, you can remember. If you get a promise from God, Write it down so you can remember. So he get the promise that, um, that he will fight them. Verse 15, Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is Jehovah Nissi. And he said, The Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. So here's the promise, Jehovah Nissi, the promise that he will give him victory. So, it is true that the Amalekites were, were an enemy for a long time. We see that uh, Saul, he fought against them and almost wiped them off, but not completely. And David, eventually, he finished them up. So, it was a continuous war. It was not, but there was the promise, Jehovah Nissi. So, what does it really mean, Jehovah Nissi? So, here is the story that Moses had, Moses and the Israelites had a great experience so they experience God's power in a battle. And every time when God's power was manifested, they would have victory. So this Jehovah Nissi is the banner of victory. So the banner of victory went before the Israelites. That's what it means, Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah the Lord is my banner of victory. Yeah, amen to that. So demonstrated by the staff, uh, demonstrated by the staff, holding it up, God's power brought victory. That's a picture I will go back to over and over again this morning. So when I look at the text, it's like, oh, how did Moses get that victory? What are really the, the ingredients um, that the Israelites 
uh, won the battle. And I see three things. And I'm not seeing this in this passage. I see it all over the Bible. There often are three things which lead to victory. Number one, Moses took responsibility. He not just let, as a leader, he just let, well, there's just a few people on the outside, you know, attacked by a few Amalekites. They maybe robbed them, maybe take a few uh, women captives. No, he didn't let it slide. He took responsibility. He says, that's not good. We need to fight. We need to go into battle with them. So first, he took responsibility. Secondly, what I see, it was through teamwork. Moses did not battle that battle alone, did he? No. First of all, he had Joshua, a trusted leader, sent out with the army. So he could not do it alone. And secondly, he not just went alone on top of the hill. You know, he didn't went on top of the hill basically meeting with God, trusting in God. He went on top of the hill with two friends, one his brother and one a trusted friend. And the third thing I see is victory came through a relationship with Jehovah Nissi, with the Lord God Almighty, the one who brings victory. So those three things, taking personal responsibility, doing teamwork, and trusting in God brought Moses victory. So for us then, the question is, what does it mean? You know, there's preaching without an application is not good preaching. So what is the application for us? I mean, that's a good story. That's history. I mean, God is still the same, but it's history. It needs to come alive in our lives. So what, what does it mean for us, this whole text and that whole text? Well, first, I, mean to, I believe we need to ask ourselves, what are our battles? Huh? Is it, what is your battle? Is it a habit? You always, you know, do over and over again and do not feel any victory in it. Is it a condition such as anxiety, depression, or something like that? Or is it a sin? Is it something you struggle over and over again and again? Let me ask you, what is your giant Coke ball? What is it? The things you do over and over again, and it sprays all over you, messes you up, and all the people around you. What is it? And I believe that deep down in your heart, you know what it is. I believe you know what God wants you to work on. So, how then are we do that? How then we battle that battle? Well, it starts with knowing what our battle is, and then fighting that battle. I believe one of the biggest mistakes we as Christians do is we don't battle. We just roll over and play dead. And I say, oh, that little bit of sin or that little habit is no big deal. You know, I, I'm just average. I'm, I'm, I'm as good as that guy or this guy. No, it's not good. A little bit of sin is not good. A little bit of habits we can, with the help of God, get rid of. So, number one, fight your battle. Number two, get help. Moses got help. 
He had some people put the stone behind him. I'll lift up the arms as well. For us, for us often too is we recognize the battle. We know there's a battle. We need to fight. There's something in our life which doesn't work out. We do over and over again, and we can't overcome it, but we don't ask someone. Huh? We need to recognize that the, if you want to be victorious in the battle, we need to engage with others. We need to have people help us. Like Moses got some help, we need some help as well. If you want, you know, battles often are not fought in a day. I had things, battles in my life, somebody put their hands on or I prayed a prayer and it was gone. Not as good. I believe it happens. But often it is a long process. And that's where we struggle, perseverance. We don't have people who are accountable, uh, keep us accountable. No people help us and therefore we don't go to the end with it. We maybe start something but not finish. So we need to fight that battle. And in a battle, it always leads lots of people. Sometimes we, we battle a big battle which is bigger than ourselves. And sometimes we just want to be the prima donna. We just want to be on the front. And if I'm not in front, I'm not fighting the battle. That's where we need to learn too. Did you know that the world itself learned how to fight battles? They know that for each person at the front, each person who is on the front, there are 10 people supplying them. Some people supply ammunition, fuel, food, whatever you name it. Someone to be in the front to do the battle, and it takes 10 people. And the same to us. If we fight battle, we need to include other people. We need to have teamwork and going forward. And the third thing here, again, is we need to get help from God. The banner of victory went before the Israelites, and the banner of victory needs to go before us as well. We too. You know, we don't have the promise. Moses had in a sense... Uh, he will help battle the Amalekites. But Jehovah Nissi, the Lord God, our banner of victory is still the same. And we have promises too. And promises are important to remember. First Corinthians 15:57. But thanks be to God who leads us from failure to failure. Who has memorized that one? No. That's not what it says. That's not the promise. But that's what we sometimes do. But thanks be to God who leads us from victory to victory. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the verse we have. And that's the promise we have, we hold on to. Jesus won the, won the battle on the cross. And through his blood and through what he did to the Holy Spirit, we have the same promise that we can be victorious through Jesus Christ. So... What then does that mean for us? So that's the application, but what's really concrete steps for us then to live it out? Let's go back to your, your battle. What is the battle you have? Is it, is it homework? Huh? You're never able to do homework or study for a test? Oh, you know what? God will show up when I write the test. Holy Spirit, huh? <laughs> Maybe that's your battle. It's just simply homework. But why can't God help you in the process? 
Why can't you help me when you study, that you actually study? The grace of God is that big, actually helps you even there. So if that's your battle, you know, acknowledge it. Maybe get that accountability part and say, you know what, I'm struggling with that. Maybe talk to your teacher, whatever. Trust in someone else. And then finally, God, you know, you help me in this. You help me today that they can study, that they can write the, the homework. Well, maybe something else is your battle. Maybe you have fears. Um, you know, I, I never thought it would stay in front of people. I never liked to speak publicly. And uh, God slowly faded me into the whole thing. First, I was um, driving a tour bus. First time I really used the mic. Oh, I was scared of that mic. Oh. But, you know, it's, it's awful you hear your voice in the speaker. You know, I like to take a, a little time to get to know that. I know some of you that's not a problem, but that was one of my problems. It still is to some extent. So maybe for some of you it's fears, other fears, fears to be in public, be amongst other people. It could be, for some of us, maybe it's work righteousness. We think we need to work that we are accepted by God. Maybe that's our battle, our mountain. Only if they do my homework perfect, I'm accepted by God. Otherwise, He doesn't love me. So what is it this morning? And then I just don't want to let you go and just like to listen to a sermon or anything. No, I want you this morning to think about it and make a decision.